Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, I want to welcome everyone in Greenfield and to those who are joining us online, wherever you are today. We are glad to be here with you. My name is Tyler, and I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And I'm going to start our time off with a little bit of a downer. And that is uh, this weekend is the last unofficial weekend of summer. We know the weather's turning, and our kids, I mean, you just go on Facebook and you see all the pictures of the kids the first day at school, and they're having a good time uh, there. But we know with the new school year, it does bring about some new rhythms. It almost feels like a new year, so we get the new routines, the new goals, and, and we're ready to roll. And, and it's not just in your families where you just come up with these new routines and uh, these new goals and where it feels like a new year. I mean, for us as a church, it feels like the same thing as well. And so next week, uh, we're actually going to kick off um, the new season with a brand new series uh, called Reboot, and our lead pastor, Mark, is going to be back uh, to kick this off with us. And, and what we're doing is we're just looking at the fact that we know the last two years, I mean, we, we know the challenges, and I don't have to repeat all the challenges. I mean, we, we know what they are. And for many of us, it felt like we just went through a hard crash. And, and maybe two years ago, it felt like God was close and we would maybe say our faith was flourishing. But during this time, somehow, maybe some things happened during this crash that maybe our faith feels like it's been sputtering a little bit. And we aren't sure, you know, like, hey, how do we get, the, how do we get it back? How do we feel God's presence again? Well, we're going to talk about ways to do that, where if God's feeling somewhat distant, how do we feel close again? again. And this is a great series, not just to be here or be online with yourself, but if you know someone, if you were in a ridge group with someone and you haven't seen them in a while, if you served on a team with someone, and if you haven't seen them in a while, if you've attended service with them and it's been a while since you've seen them, this is the time to invite them and to say, hey, why don't you come back with me? Because this is the series to come and be a part of as we kick off Reboot. Now, today is also a great day because we are wrapping up up the series that we've been in called You Know What They Say. And what we've been doing is we've been looking at many people, many theys, and we don't know who they are, but they seem really smart, kind of these common experts. They say these statements, and at first glance, it sounds smart. Like, it sounds really, really good. Sounds like there's a lot of truth behind it. And because it sounds good, we believe it. And then we act on those statements. And we do this with any types of statements. But then over time, we kind of were like, oh, I don't know if that statement was actually very true. Like, hey, you know what they say? Don't sit so close to the TV because your eyes are going to go bad. And, you know, we, we just stay far away from it, you know, because of that. But we don't do it with just those types of statements. We also do it with statements about God. Like these supposed experts, these they, they say these things about God and we go down the same path because they say it, it feels like this general common knowledge. We start believing it and because we believe it, we start acting on it as if it's true. But, but here's the problem. When we believe this and act on it, it ends up skewing our view of God. 
Because many of these statements, we don't find them in Scripture, we don't see them as true, so they end up being false expectations about God, and that's how we end up frustrated with him. And so what we've been doing is we've actually been looking at several of the most popular, you know what they say, statements about God, and we've been unpacking how we've actually arrived at those statements, and then we've been replacing them with God's truth to actually be really more encouraged uh, behind what God actually has to say about these. And over the last couple weeks, we've looked at some big statements. Like we've looked at, hey, you know what they say, God won't give you more than you can handle, and you know what they say, everything happens for a reason, and if you missed any of those weeks for whatever reason, I want to encourage you to catch up, and there's a couple ways you can do that. One is if you're on YouTube, just subscribe to our YouTube channel, and you can go ahead to our playlist, and you can watch all of those videos there. Or if you're a podcaster, uh, subscribe to us um, wherever you listen to podcasts and you can get all of those previous weeks as well as a bunch of bonus content as well. So it's very, uh, very helpful if you subscribe uh, to our podcast channel there. Now today, we're going to wrap this up by looking at one final very popular, you know what they say, statement about God. And, and this one um, may be very popular. You may have heard some version of this. <laughs> you know what they say, God just wants you to be a good person. That that's it. That's the highest call that that, uh, God has for you or for me. That's what God wants for all of us, just to be good and to treat people generally uh, good or or well, if you're a grammar nerd, you know. But, um, you know, God just wants you to be a good person. Person. Now, now, there's a couple ways uh, that we can actually get to this statement. And one way is more popular than the other, but they take us down the same road. And, and here's how we get to how God wants you to be a good person. One of the most popular ways, and we see this often in culture, is based in the belief that many have. And, and that belief is, hey, there's a good God who lives in a good place that is open to good people. And this idea of this good God is this God is behind many of the world religions and he's just kind of behind them all and and, and all of the religions kind of seem to always be the same. They're kind of pointing in the same direction. So there's that good God behind it who lives in this good place and, you know, you might call it, hey, a better place. You know, there's a better place now. Uh, Maybe you have this idea of heaven, but it's like this really, really good place that you would want to be a part of. And it's just open to good people who are just generally just really, really good. And, 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 that's, and that's fine. And, and because they're good and because there's a good God, it's a good place, it's going to work out, you know, for anyone who is just generally just good. And, and if you believe that and if that's you, I want you to know you're not alone. In fact, uh, a, a basis of this belief is actually held by the majority of culture. That, that if you were to talk to a majority of people, generally speaking, if you start asking questions about God and the afterlife and, you know, kind of all those different types of related things, you might get some answers that might say things like, yeah, you know... I think there's more to it, you know, after I die here, you know, I think there's probably a God out there, and I think it's probably something more to things than just this world, and yeah, you know, I I do think there's more to, like, after I die, like, there might be an afterlife, but I don't know fully what that is, but you know what? I'm generally good, so I think I'm okay, you know? Like, in other words, I don't know the answers to these big questions, but I'm good, So I think I'm good, you know, I'm good because I'm good. And so we just generally say, yeah, I'm I'm a good person, so I'm all right. Now, most of us like to think of ourselves as good people. 
I mean, I, I haven't really met many people that would say, yeah, you know what, I'm really bad. I'm a really bad person, you know, and I'm really happy with that. Like, most of us want to think of ourselves as generally good people, even when we do something that we're like, yeah, you know what, that wasn't that good, you know? And we, we'd say, yeah, I'm good, but you know, I'm not, I'm not perfect, you know? And as if we had to like say that, like, oh, you're not, you're not perfect? Like, let me just ask your wife. I'm sure she would tell me how not perfect, you know, you are. But I mean, we, we can excuse away you know, the mistakes that we've had and still say that we're good. And I did this just this last week. In fact, I, I got home and I got home from work and I was very stressed out after a couple of meetings. And I got home and I started thinking about all of the things that I had to do at my house. And I had to help with dinner, uh, water our grass because it hasn't rained in a while. Um, I had to do some other projects around the house. And so when I'm thinking about all that I have to do after I'm stressed out at work, I go into what I call go mode. I, and I have that list and I'm, I just gotta get it done. And, and, and I almost just ignore the family as a result of that. And so I walk in, into the house and I'm just thinking about all the things that I have to do. And uh, my uh, youngest son, uh, Brennan, who just uh, started going to kindergarten, uh, he um, is doing the classic younger brother thing to his older sister. And so he's in her room and he's poking at all of her toys. He's moving all the things. He's going after her. And, and Jalen, you know, she, she's just getting upset as the older sister and she's just yelling at him. She's like, get out of my room, get out of here. And, and they're just kind of going at it and she's wanting and he's just kind of poking and poking and poking. And, and, and because of that, and I hear all that's going on. I'm thinking about all the things that I have to do. I just kind of like just go a little bit and I, and I, and I just say to them, hey, hey, get out of the room, knock it off right now. But I say it in a way that was louder than I wanted to say it, and it scared them. And my youngest son actually ran into his other room just, just, just crying. And, and, and it was just a result of my being stressed, and I just kind of yelled at him like that. And, and I realized in that moment, I was not a good dad. Like, I knew it. My kids knew it. My wife definitely knew it, you know, and, and it was one of those things where I'm like, oh man, I, I have to apologize for this. But, but here's what happened immediately in my mind. Hey, Tyler, it's not that big of a deal. Nine times out of 10, you're a good dad. Nine times out of 10, it, it, it's fine. Just don't even worry about it. You're good. You're a good dad. Don't worry about this thing. It's no big deal at all. And that's what our minds want to tell us to do. We generally want to believe that, that we're good, you know? And so we, we kind of excuse the things, times that we're like, yeah, maybe that wasn't so good because we generally want to believe we are really good. In fact, uh, we don't just do this for ourselves. We also say this about other people. I mean, we want to give them the benefit of the doubt and just call them good. I mean, we, we talk about other people and we're like, yeah, you know, they might have their problems. They might have their issues. They might have, have what's going on. You know what? But they're overall, they're a good person. I mean, look at how good they are. And, and that's because it's based on the idea that God just wants us to be a good person. Now, that's the majority of our culture of how we get to that statement. There is another way that we get to this statement as well. And this way isn't as common, but if you've grown up in a religious background, if you've grown up in a church uh, setting or a religious home, maybe you were exposed uh, to this idea. And this is the, the idea of here's how you get God on your side. Here's how you get God to let you into heaven. Here's how you get God to answer your prayers. And it's based on this idea of your morality. 
and how good you really are. Based on this idea of, hey, your goodness with God is based on how good you are and how good you can keep all of the rules. And, and based on this, God just wants you to be a good person and to follow all the rules. And if you follow all the rules, you are good with him. Now, the appeal of these two ideas and the appeal of the idea that God just wants you to be a good person ultimately comes down to this one word, control. We like to be in control. And we wanna measure how, how good we are with God based on how we can control how good we are. Because overall we would say, you know what? My goodness is measurable. Most of the time I'm good. I'm good more than times I'm not. Or at least, at least I'm better than that other person. I'm better than that person who's a jerk at work or, or the neighbor across the street that's always yelling at her husband. Or I'm better you know, than the people that I see in the news. Like, at least I'm, I'm more good than them. Like, maybe I'm not Mother Teresa level good, you know, but at least I'm generally good. And we feel like we can control how good we are with God by how good we are. But do you know how we lose control with this? It comes down with one question. Well, how do we know if we're good enough? I mean, what's the standard? Do we meet the standard? Do we have to just be better than most people? Like, who sets the curve? Are we okay, you know, like with that person? Or do we have to be good all the time? Like, how do we know if we are good enough? And so when it comes to the statement, hey, you know what they say? God just wants you to be a good person. People have been wrestling with this statement for years. In fact, uh, shortly after Jesus, uh, one of the early church leaders, a guy named Paul, uh, who led many churches, he actually uh, talked to these churches about this very idea. And there's this one church living in the city of Rome. He wrote a letter to them. And, and he began to address this very statement. And what he begins to help us understand is this idea of you and I being a very good person isn't necessarily in our nature. And here's what Paul starts writing to this church. He says, no, not at all. For we have already shown that all people, whether Jews or Gentiles, and what he's talking about is, is the Jewish people, they received God's standard of good behavior for many years. And so they would say, hey, we've had the rules, we've followed the rules for many years, so we should be better, we should be more gooder, if that's a word, you know, than others, but, you know, because we've had the rules and we've had all of this. And Paul is lumping the Jews with the Gentiles or the non-Jewish people, those who haven't had the rules or the standards of God, who haven't been following it for all these years. He's saying everybody's coming together under the power of sin. And that word sin is a big word. It means literally to miss God's mark, to miss God's standard, that when we go our way rather than God's way, we fall short of his good standard. He says, all of us are under this power. In fact, when you would say, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect, I've messed up, I, 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 I'm not good all the time, Paul would say, you're right, you're dead on. And, and because you're not good all the time, the news is, unfortunately, you're not good. But it's not just you. Notice what he says about everybody. No one is righteous or meaning in good standing with God, to meet God's good standard. No one is righteous, not even one. 
And then what Paul does shortly after this is he starts pulling quotes from what we call the Old Testament, which was the Jewish law book back then. And and what he ended up just kind of showing time and time again is that it was impossible for anyone to meet God's good standard. And that if you've ever fallen short of his rules and his laws at any point, that, that you would be considered not good. And, and, and it's like this impossible standard. In fact, it would be like today if we were watching the Olympics and if we were looking at all of the gymnasts and we said the only time that we would call a gymnast good is if they got tens across the board every single time. And we say that, that that's impossible. That's not going to happen. And so by this standard, we would say... Oh, you know what they say, God just wants to be a good person, doesn't hold up because we're not good. And if you're anything like me and you hear this and you see that standard be so impossible to meet, you're gonna start asking questions. And the questions are gonna be like, well, why is the standard so high? Why, why, why do we even have it? Why, why would God even give us the standard if there's no way that, that we could actually meet that standard? Well, well Paul begins to talk about that. He says, well, obviously, the law or God's standard, it applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. He says, this is given so that we would understand what is good or not. And and if you're a parent, you know, this this makes sense because we want to give the clear boundaries and the rules for our kids to let them know what's okay or not okay because otherwise, what's their excuse? Well, I didn't know it was a bad idea, you know? And so we want to make it very clear for them, hey, what is okay or not? And that's what God's standard that he has given many, many years ago is what it's done for us. It shows us what is okay or not okay. And then he continues. He says, for no one can ever be made right with God by doing or by being good what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. I mean, there is no way that you could, even if you tried harder and harder and harder and harder to be good, it's not going to happen. We just have received God's standard to show us what's going on inside of us. It's kind of like that mirror. If you ever look at a mirror and the the bright lights are on and you see all the flaws and all the blemishes and all the things that are going on and you might even go like, oh no, you know, and you know, and you work to cover it up, you know, you put up the makeup or you say, I'm going to grow the biggest beard possible, you know, and we're just going to cover all of that up just to uh, uh, make sure that we don't see that out there. And, And that's what God's standard does is it shows us where we fall short and where we miss the mark. It exposes the flaws and, and it shows the blemishes. Now, when we see this news that we aren't good, that there are flaws, that there are blemishes, that there are things going on that we're like, ooh, it's discouraging. And, and, and it doesn't feel good at first, but Paul isn't done. He says, you know, I, I just wanna bring this truth to light because this is about to get really encouraging. And here's what he begins to show us. He says, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, without actually being a good person. And it was actually promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, meaning there is a way to have this good standard with God And it's not based on how good you are. It's based on how good someone else is. Well, who? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ 
And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. And Paul's beginning to show us this huge point. He says, we can have this good standing with God, and it's not based on you being a good person, but it's based on how good Jesus is. And he's talking about Jesus, who is God personified. He came as God's son, who came and lived among us, and who actually met God's glorious standard. And he was perfect. He never sinned. And when he was killed on the cross, he actually paid for our sin on the cross so that we could have this good standing with God. In fact, if, if Paul stopped here, we would have enough to talk about. We would have enough to go after and say, okay, this is what I can do with this now. But, but Paul isn't done. Paul is, is getting really excited and he does something that's so important when you read scripture. He, he actually begins to say another statement right after this. And, and as you read this, it's gonna feel like he's repeating the statement. And, and, and he sort of is. But, but here's what I've been taught when I, when, when I read scripture. And that is whenever you fe- read someone repeating something and they say it twice, it means it's twice as important. So you really want to lean in and really pay attention. And so here's how he just wraps up this section. He says, okay, everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. We talked about this. You are not good. But yet God in his grace, and this idea of grace is something that you and I don't deserve. It's this good gift he's going to give. He freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus. We, we just mentioned God's son. When he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin because he could. And then people, you and I, are made right with God when they believe or put their faith or trust that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. And he says, I said this again so that you would understand this, so that you'll realize that, you know what they say, God just wants you to be a good person. Well, your goodness with God isn't based on how good you are. But the good news is you can still be good with God because of how good God is. In other words, Paul's big idea is this. You aren't good enough but God's grace is. You aren't good enough to be good with God because we, none of us are good enough to meet his standard. But God says, don't worry about that because I've taken care of this because of God's good grace and because of God's good love for you and for me. He gave us his son who was more than good. He was better than good so that he would give his life for us so that we can receive this gift of grace and be good with God anyways. You aren't good, but God's grace is. Now, do you know the pushback that we have with this? This is so counterintuitive to anything else that that we do um, in most of our lives. I mean, most of the times we think, hey, if I do this and if I'm good enough, I'm going to get what I deserve. If I'm at work and if I work hard and I show up and I get the results and I produce, I'm going to get the promotion. If I go to school and if I'm studying and if I'm working hard and and, and I put in the time, I'm going to get the A. If if I have a relationship and if I pay attention, if I nurture the relationship, it should become healthy. 
And so the idea would be, well, if, I, if I'm good with God and if I follow the rules and I, and I work and I behave well, we should be good. But when we realize, oh, if I'm not going to be good enough anyways, but God's grace, like, this doesn't make sense. And we give up the control that we're used to having. But do you know what happens when we give up the control to God? We gain freedom. We gain grace. And we gain the ability to not have to worry if we are good enough because we're not good enough but God's good grace is. And, and for me, this was a game changer when I was, first realized this when I was in 16 years old, when I was in high school. And uh, I, I spent most of my life, um, and I still, still deal with this today, uh, growing up just dealing with the idea of, of being good enough and the pressure of being good enough. In fact, um, if you are into the Enneagram personality types at all, you know, if you paid any attention to that, um, you, I'm a type one Enneagram, and I wing two for all the deep divers, you know, into, into the Enneagram stuff. But, but an Enneagram one personality type is often used uh, um, with words like the perfectionist, um, the moralist, the reformer, and the improver, which I like the word improver out of all of those things, but, but that, that's just me. But generally, if you're a type one personality, what that means is you only see things in black and white. Uh, you only see things as right and wrong, and it's good or it's not. And, and so for me growing up, I, that's just the way that I viewed the world. I put expectations even on myself. And so uh, the, the expectations for me in school that I put on myself was I had to be perfect. So all A's. Whenever I got a B, it was like this bad blemish that just, just broke um, everything. And I was like, oh, I, I, I can't do that. You know, I had to be perfect there. I, I would play sports, but I quit sports early on. Not because I didn't like playing sports. I liked them. And not because I was cut. I wasn't cut. I just didn't realize I was, the, I just realized I'm not the best. And because I'm not the best and I'm not perfect, why would I spend time doing things I'm not perfect at? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the other things. And that's just kind of how I began to view the world. In fact, I, I would do that in my early jobs. I had to work and be the best and, and, and be perfect and, and get results that way. But then when it came to me and God, I'd, I'd go going to church. And I thought, okay, um, if God is this God, I, and I have to be good to be with God, like, okay, I'll, I'll behave and I'll be good and all that, you know, but then I kind of thought, and, and I honestly thought this, like, when I would die, and if it's up to me to go to heaven, like, I have to get an, I have to ace a test, you know, and like, and pass this, like, God test, like, that's why they put me in Sunday school or something like that, like, it's just this whole idea of being good, and, and to be honest, when, when I was 16, this idea of being perfect it, it weighed on me because here, here's what I knew. I, I, I knew what everyone else knows, that I'm not perfect, that I've made mistakes and I carried around this imperfection. And, and as moralist and as a type one, you don't want that found out about you. And so I would just have this fear of like, people are gonna find out that I'm bad. People are gonna find out that I'm messed up. People are gonna find out that, that, that I'm a fraud, that, that I've made mistakes and it's just going to ruin me. And I carried that weight around. And when I was invited to a friend's church and I began to understand this message about, hey, you aren't good, but God's good grace is, do you know what it did for me? I, at first I was offended. I'm like, wait, what? What do you mean I'm not good? But then I realized no, that, that's true. You know, that's actually very true. And here's the good thing that God did. He just calls it out right away. And he just shows us and exposes us for what it is. But then he says, you know what? I love you anyways. And you don't have to worry about being good. You don't have to put the pressure on yourself. You just can let it go and receive my good gift of grace. And then you're with me, I love you, 
you can experience the freedom that comes from that. And when I made that decision to follow Jesus, I felt that weight just come off. Now, I, I still struggle with the type one tendencies and the, and the moralist tendencies and all of that. And every time I deal with that, I'm just reminded like, okay, no, 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 I'm not good. They're not good, but God's grace is. And do you know what happens when you walk in God's good grace? You have the freedom to do exactly what God has called you to do. And that freedom is to just love God and love other people. And you do that without having to worry if you're doing it right, if you're doing it in a perfect way because you realize you're not good, but God's good grace is. So you can be free just to love God and to love others. In fact, Paul, he talked about it in another letter to other Christians, and he wrote it in such a brilliant way. This is a favorite passage of ours. It's written in Ephesians. And he's starting off with the same message to this church where he says, hey guys, God saved you by his good grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. It's not about how good you are. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can brag about it. But then he says this, hey, for we are God's masterpiece. He, can, he views you as a work of art, even if you aren't good enough. I mean, he says, you know, you are worth it. You're worth giving up my son for. He has created us new in Christ Jesus. So we can, and here's the phrase, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. That when we realize that we fall short of God's glorious standard, that you aren't good, but God's grace is, and when we receive this gift of grace, we are so free to then just do the good, to love others and to love God without having to worry, hey, am I good enough, am I good enough? Because God says, don't worry about that. Just receive my gift of grace and out of that gift of grace, just do good to others. And so the question that I want to leave with you as we wrap up this series is this. I just want you to ask yourself, well, have I received God's good grace? Have I personally received this gift that God has given me? Even though I'm not good enough, God still offers it. Have I received it? And if you've received it, that's awesome. Here, I want you to dig beneath the layers on that. And if you've received God's gift of grace, whether it's been for several years or, or recently, how are you using that gift to do the good? To share that gift of grace to others, to bring the hope of Jesus to every home? Are you using it to invest in your one, to someone who, who is far away from God? Are you using it to serve others on a team, either in the church or out in the community? Are you using it to invest in our next generation that we call the critical generation? How are you using God's gift of good grace to do good for others? Others of you, uh, you would say, yeah, you know, I haven't received that gift yet, you know, and I still have questions. I'm not sure if I'm ready. You know, I, I still want to just kind of figure a few other things out. And if that's you, uh, we are so glad that you're with us, you're joining us online. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to keep seeking it out. Keep asking questions. Keep seeking out the answers to the questions. Keep coming back. And, and, and we're just so glad to be a place where you can just seek out those answers to those questions. But keep seeking it. And just be open to what God might be showing you. But then others of you, you might be here and say, I haven't received God's gift of grace yet. And I want to right now. And if that's you, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that. And here's what we're gonna do um, online and, and here in Greenfield. And that is in just a moment, I'm going to ask us all to pray together. 
And during this time when we pray together, I want you to actually take this prayer and to make it your own between you and God, where you would acknowledge to God that, yeah, you know, I'm not, not good enough. I don't meet your standard. But your grace is something that I want to receive. And you want to begin a life of following God and walking in the freedom that he offers all of us. And so right now, wherever you're at online, to those in in, uh, Greenfield, uh, let's just go ahead, let's close our eyes and let's just pray together and just commit to following God together and to receive his gift of grace. And that is God. God, we know we fall short. And God, we know how we've fallen short and we know that you know how we have fallen short of your standard. And God, we know that, that it hasn't been good. You could use any other word to describe it, but good is not one of them. But God, um, we know that your grace is more than good enough. That you gave us your son, Jesus, that he came and lived among us and he lived a, a perfect life, a sinless life. He was good enough. And as Paul said, he was the sacrifice for our sins. He, he took our sin and he nailed it on the cross. But then a few days later, he rose again to show that he had even power over that sin and death. And so God, right now, we just put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. We want to receive that good gift of grace. And God, for many of us, you know, we made the decision to receive this a long time ago. We still need that grace as much today as we did back then. But God, for those of us who are making the decision to to receive this gift of grace right now for the first time, I pray, God, that we would sense your presence right now. And God, that you would just overwhelm us with your good grace. God, we thank you for the new life that you offer us. And God, we commit to following you. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you just made the decision to follow Jesus uh, for the first time, I want you to know we are so excited for you and we are so proud of you for taking that step. And it's an important step, um, the most important step on, on this journey of following Jesus, but it is the first step on this journey of following Jesus. And so we want to help you with the next steps on this journey to ultimately become someone who loves, looks, and lives like Jesus. And so if you just made the decision to follow Jesus, here's how we can help you. I want you to pull out your phone, uh, wherever you are, online or Greenfield, and just text the word Jesus to the phone number that you see. That's 414-509-0339. And when you text Jesus to that phone number, what's going to happen over the next uh, two weeks is you're going to get a series of text messages, just one a day, uh, that that is going to contain a short reading or a short video that's going to help you take these steps into into following Jesus. We we won't spam you after those uh, text messages, but we will have someone follow up with you and just answer any questions that maybe you have, and they'll help you take your next step after that. But we want to do this just to be able to come alongside you and help you on this journey. So I hope you pull out the phone and and, and you text the word Jesus uh, to that phone number. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.